episode, I spoke with Noreen Muzaffar about Pakistan and Bangladesh's textile sector, why Bangladesh has had staggering levels of export growth, and why Pakistan has struggled to compete in the textile export market in recent years. Noreen has spent the last 20 years in the manufacturing sector and is someone who is intimately aware about the policies and the challenges in both Pakistan and Bangladesh. She runs an ore consulting firm, primarily advising global retailers in the apparel, sports goods, and footwear sector. Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy this discussion. Welcome to the show, Noreen. Thank you. Thank you, Zair, for having me. So let's start off by, you know, I'll share some stats and we'll use that as the foundation for the rest of our discussion here. Um, in 2008-9, Pakistan was exporting about $10 billion worth of textile goods um, out of about $19 billion in total exports. Um, and in 2018-19, according to the State Bank of Pakistan, textile exports grew by about 40% to about $13.5 billion. Um, and total exports grew by 28% to about $25 billion. Meanwhile, in Bangladesh in 2008-9, it was exporting about 10 to $11 billion of textile goods. And by 2018-19, its textile exports had grown by about 150% to $35 billion. And that's a stark difference in, in terms of what happened in the last decade or so. And given that you're the expert, you've seen this industry uh, evolve over the years, both in Bangladesh and Pakistan. I just want to start off by asking you, what are, in your view, three to four big reasons why Pakistan hasn't been able to grow as fast as uh, Bangladesh in the last decade or even longer if one takes a, a, a deeper look at the data? Right. Um, uh, you know, as we've talked previously as well, I've been going back and forth to Bangladesh, especially since the beginning of my career in the industry is about 20 years in. Um, and uh, obviously, the statistics that you share are, uh, you know, clear indi indication of uh, where, uh, you know, where things are right now. Um, but uh, if I may, I want to start off uh, not only, uh, and I'll come to it later, where I think Pakistan has gone wrong, uh, where I believe and I've seen over the last two decades uh, where I've been involved in the, and going back and forth uh, working with the industry in Bangladesh is that because I see things from a social development perspective, interact mm -hmm. with people a lot because of the work that I do. Um, so uh, I think some uh, Bangladesh has has got its basics right. When I say that, what do I mean? Um, uh, they have had some very progressive social policies, and uh, which uh, that have helped them uh, go from uh, being one of the poorest countries in South Asia to now, uh, you know, uh, an expiring uh, tiger economy, uh, they recognized long time back uh, that empowering women is essential to uh, ending extreme poverty. And they put in place certain uh, approaches that basically help them um, develop their people and uh, lift their people from, uh, um, you know, extreme poverty and uh, uh, in which education, health, uh, women empowerment uh, played a big role in helping mm -hmm. them build a pool of people, especially women, uh, that later on went to become uh, uh, a part of the industry uh, and led to, you know, obviously uh, its growth and all. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bangladesh uh, has, of course, a huge population 
but one of the things they did well was uh, to control its population. Uh, they put in family planning programs uh, that, and they created an army of uh, women health workers who went from door to door. They brought contraceptives to women. This helped reduce fertility rates dramatically. And that's part of a kind of a demographic transition that continues to support remarkable development progress even now. So all these women that they, uh, uh, you know, help educate uh, through the intervention of uh, some of the, and over here, I, I would want to mention uh, work done by organizations or NGOs like BRAC and Grumman, mm -hmm. uh, that went into those areas where, because of course, due to lack of government infrastructure and the government ability to address those issues. So some of these organizations stepped in and uh, they they went in in those sec in those uh, and, and worked in those issues and uh, which uh, uh, played a role in helping uh, uh, you know uh, the people uh, get educated, uh, be more healthy and uh, uh, be able to participate in economic activities. Um, so th some of these innovations, of course, worked. Uh, the, uh, in 1991, for example, just to take a few statistics here, the educational attainment of the women in Bangladesh was among the lowest in the world. And today, the primary school enrollment for girls is higher in Bangladesh than most of its neighbors, and it's about the same as in India. So, um, and one big lesson we draw from Bangladesh, uh, which is pretty obvious, but far too few countries actually end up doing it, is that multiple partners are needed to accelerate progress in ending extreme poverty. And uh, so, uh, so uh, the role that these organizations uh, played, of course, uh, uh, has uh, made a big contribution. Uh, I, I do emphasize that again and again in, you know, uh, a few places, multiple places, and uh, that uh, the the country teaches us that investments in people are just as important as investments in infrastructure. You need hmm. roads, you need um, you know bridges, you you need energy, uh, but uh, you need people as well to work uh, or to be uh, to participate in the economic activity, and women especially. If I, you know, coming to Pakistan, if I look at, uh, you know, generally the industry numbers and uh, the male-female labor ratio, uh, it is extremely minimal. I mean, uh, the highest, at least with some of the big suppliers that I see, the big brands that work uh, with, at best, on an average, you find a, a generally a ratio of about 10 to 11 to 12 percent of women in the workforce. You may find a few exceptions here or there. I'm talking about the textile and the garment sector. Uh, uh, but by and large, this is the average ratio that you find. And these are the factories or the suppliers that um, work with big retailers and big brands. On the other hand, when you look at uh, in an industry like Bangladesh, where 80% of their female, of their workforce is female. Uh, so there, there, there goes a big huge difference. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the demographics of the people who have contributed to that economic growth. Um, the, uh, and, of course, with that, the education um, level of the workforce definitely plays a great role uh, because uh, as we work in the sector, we need a pool of skilled people. And if you have a background of a certain level of education, uh, training them 
and um, uh, you know and on the technical side of course and all that becomes a lot more easier mm-hmm. uh, so uh, that in essence is you know obviously one of the biggest basics which i i believe i feel that pakistan lags behind um uh, in a big way if you look at uh, the gender parity report that the world economic forum brings out every year for the last you know couple of decades uh, pakistan continues to stay the lowest tier uh, this latest report pakistan is at 151 out of 153 countries that they have rated uh, wow. bangladesh is at number 50 uh, bangladesh is in fact higher than the us uh which is somewhere in the mid 50s uh, so uh you know so uh, these are uh, uh, you know uh, i cannot i think over emphasize the fact uh, uh the role in terms of the role the women have played in the industry you know a lot of development agencies a lot of companies uh, yeah full bossing so talk about that so yeah. so if i hear you correctly just to summarize that's that's fascinating right because that was one of the questions i had on my end was like in bangladesh you see the garment sector the textile sector really be dominated by women and women have done phenomenally well um and it really is not a story of bangladeshi textiles and women it is a story of bangladeshi women's empowerment women's education um a focus on human development for women um that has led to that revolution um and so that that's a key part and i think a lot of people in pakistan often miss that because when i have conversations and i'm not an expert in the sector but when i talk to people who have an opinion in terms of what's going wrong with the textile sector they talk about things like the power is expensive and it's intermittent and investment is costly in pakistan and the labor is cheaper in bangladesh etc but really what i'm hearing from you and your experience is that that is that may have been important we'll talk about how you see those things mm-hmm. but really the 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 key foundation is empowerment of women and 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 that is a very interesting point and so and the fact that bangladesh is now higher than the us in gender parity and pakistan has always lagged behind um i think if you look at literacy statistics in in pakistan for women there are about 6 out of 10 women 7 out of 10 women based on the region you're looking at maybe even higher are illiterate um and that's not the case in bangladesh anymore so tell tell us about why is it important in terms of you know in this sector where the garment industry i often tell people like my my cursory analysis is that you need to follow basic skills and have basic and be able to read and write basic instructions um why is that important like why is a basic level of literacy important in the in the garment sector today because see um garment sector and and again i want to take a step back uh, you know to the early years when i started going to bangladesh this is in early 2000 and uh, uh, as the industry was growing and obviously new technologies and new um, you know systems and innovations were coming in through the brands that were working uh, with those suppliers so you know different um, techniques uh, in terms of garment finishing in terms of garment making in terms of making uh, a bit although bangladesh primarily does val- uh, basic uh, garment but as uh, more uh, you know innovations from the brands were coming in so to um, transfer that knowledge on to the actual workforce who's going to execute it um, you know uh, their basic uh, in terms of what you just mentioned uh, the level of literacy and all that the ability to understand uh how we should what is expected of us 
uh, how should we deliver it and all that that is where you know for example it played a big role um uh, things like for example when i would go to some of those suppliers initially you know for example there were different finishings coming in for denim um and <clears throat> and uh, you know um laser machines are are being brought in uh the process itself when it comes to washing and all that different chemicals different things are being used uh so as you are uh, you know learning through the brands or the retailers that you work with uh you've got to transfer that knowledge back you know to the floor and uh, if you have a certain level of aptitude uh uh in the workforce that is going to execute it so that also plays of course a big role in how you uh are able to uh, acquire uh, uh the knowledge that you're expected to and then execute it at a at a level of consistency because obviously bangladesh uh one of the big things and we'll talk about that later as well one of the big factors in terms of their growth is that the size of their suppliers in terms of the volume of business that they can handle uh, has played a big <clears throat> has played a big role in their growth uh you see all these big big retailers um uh, and bangladesh is in most of the cases after china their biggest uh, sourcing country uh, so their ability to handle those volumes of course depends on the quality that they deliver and of course to the workforce that delivers it for them uh, i remember that you know sweater was just started to grow sweater industry was uh, growing in bangladesh and initially they had these hand machines when we would go to some suppliers mm. and they would be using these hand and you would see these you know um like uh nimble uh the small built people you know just flying from one end to the other you know i don't know if you ever seen a sweater uh, knitting machine in a in a big supply uh supplier uh, on a work flo- uh, production floor uh, describe de- describe that to the listener because <laughs> i'm not familiar with it and now i'm intrigued i want to hear about what does that look like so as as maybe in like 30 seconds or so <laughs> just let us help us imagine what that looks like right so you know you enter a production floor and you you can for uh, as it this factory is maybe like 8 or 10 floors and it has uh, maybe 6 or 7000 people working in it and uh, so you go to one of those floors and you see from one end to the other on each floor at least 200 250 300 people hmm. who are uh, you know there are like sewing machines these are knitting machines which you know you have to stand and you have to you know use that machine using your arm from one you know right to the left and uh, so you see these uh, hundreds of people just uh, you know um, along the hall uh, and they're going uh, and there is that hum in the air uh, i yeah. still i can still hear it uh, and they are going back and forth and they had just started to get into it and lo and behold in 4 to 5 years time they become one of the biggest sweater uh, sourcing uh, base in the world um and then as automation and more machines and you know, investment came in uh so uh, a number of those machines of course were the hand knitting machines were replaced by uh, uh the more uh, uh, the the newer ones but by and large uh uh it's been a while since i went back to a sweater factory in the last yeah. couple of years or so uh but i still believe that you know that is essentially how because they use their workforce uh in a way i it's one of the most resilient uh industries i have seen in terms of the commitment of its people to play a role in that i you you 
you can feel that you can see that across the board um and uh, uh, i think uh, obviously uh, the industry recognizes the fact as well that the role that its people have played to bring it to this level the other thing i do want to mention over here is that uh in terms of when you talk about the growth and some of the factors that have played a role in that um in essentially uh, i also have seen over a period of time the role that expatriates have played uh the brand the offices of the different brands and retailers that opened in bangladesh and then expanded with time and i think the transfer of that knowledge and that exchange uh, has also helped develop a pool of talent um uh, that basically uh, initially was not there but now you have local talent that has especially i think in the last 5 7 years that is now kind of coming up to the upper manage management level and that can take on uh, more leadership uh, positions within those offices so developing that pool of talent uh, the expats have played and continue to play a big role in 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 that and that is another yeah. reason that bangladesh becomes has become a regional hub as well uh, traditionally india um, because of its essentially infrastructure its pool of people the level of education and all that a lot of times you would find regional offices of some of these big retailers based out of india that has changed in the last many years uh, wow. uh, because of bangladesh uh, you see h&m you have you see um, inditex uh you see i mean there i can give you many many examples there are many many more um but uh, i do believe that that um uh, you know interaction and and that uh, knowledge transfer uh, has also played a big role Not so two two important things here that you mentioned and i want to one get a sense when you talked about size of suppliers and volume of business bangladesh can handle right that that is a big factor and that scale and the ability to scale quickly and then use quality workforce as the foundation to be able to deliver quality build on that quality to build scale and then upgrade to new technology right that mm-hmm. you continuously get your workforce to upgrade 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 use their uh skill sets boost their skill sets use expatriates to get them to the next level was a fundamental uh fundamental growth part uh, or component of growth for bangladesh but i want to you know tell me a bit about the difference in scale so when you say you know if bangladeshi factory let's say factory x in bangladesh can make 100 sweaters an hour um and can handle like a, an order of 100000 sweaters uh, what's the comparative comparative level of scale let's say in a country like pakistan where a factory can't compete at that scale like put put numbers to that for us please i i for me uh, i it's difficult for me to actually to be honest and i don't want to uh, take num- put numbers that i uh, i'm not sure about uh, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, uh, i think what i more my experience has been more of of of, of a visual uh okay. so to speak and and uh, i uh, maybe i can you know supply that you know but the the uh, i think uh the scale and and all that that you mentioned um obviously uh needs specific but like i said it it is difficult for me to uh, to to address that because uh, i don't want to uh, you know get into that something yeah that, uh, i'm not sure about 
No, no, fair enough. And so, you know, while we're on the topic of Bangladesh, another question that some folks on Twitter had and I have as well is like um, that Bangladeshi labor is cheaper than Pakistani labor. And, and that's mm. a, a big reason for why Bangladesh has been able to dominate. Right. And Pakistan has grown by about 35, 40 percent. Bangladesh has grown by about 150 percent in the last decade. Um Tell us a bit about like, is that a, a right perspective? Does Bangladesh beat out Pakistan on labor costs? And uh, if that's the only one, or do you even see that as being, I know you talked about women's empowerment and quality and scale as being really important factors, but where does uh, cost of labor uh, plug into this conversation? Yep, a cost of labor is, uh, is always, it's very interesting, is always talked about as a factor in terms of the selling point uh, for the growth of the industry in Bangladesh. Uh, but uh, over the period of years, whenever we've spoken uh, with the um, business representatives of the companies where I've worked or generally speaking um, engaged with, uh, we've been told that labor costs are only uh, like, uh, less than 5% of the entire cost of the product. Uh, oh, wow. so in terms of its uh, um, role in determining the, uh, the, uh, the total price, is, 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 is the, the impact is not to that extent as it's made out to be. There are other costs. The biggest cost, of course, for a, for a apparel product is its fabric. Um, and then, of course, uh, all the other costs go into it, your energy costs, how much you have to pay, uh, you know, in terms of the electricity bills to make that product. And that is where Pakistan now jumping into, you know, uh, in terms of its issues that have kind of hampered its progress is its energy crisis as well. Uh, but I remember, uh, and this is like early uh, 2010, 2011 and all, uh, Bangladesh also went through it, uh, not to the extent that it was in Pakistan, but there was in, and there's been energy shortage in Bangladesh as well. Uh, so it is not that, you know, they have not experienced, um, you know, situations like that, but uh, they have, uh, well, you know, they have the ability to be able to, they're very resilient and they're very good businessmen in terms of how they approach the challenges that they, they come across. Mm. And we can talk about some of those challenges later in the conversation as well. But how, what is your attitude? What is your aptitude? How do you uh, um, approach those issues uh, as you face in terms of uh, doing business that are within your control and then that are not within your control? So how do you, how do you approach them? How do you address them? Uh, so coming back to your question, it's, it's a very simplistic reason sometimes people yeah. give. It is not. Uh, in my opinion and in in a lot of conversations that we've had on this topic, that is not something that I, uh, you know, I have felt or I have seen. Um, yeah, so th that, that's great to hear because I, I had a similar perspective and I agree that energy cost is, is a big component and Pakistan has made poor choices over the years in terms of its energy mix and thinking about energy as being a key component of its export strategy, right? It's like thought of and as only in passing, at least that's my view. But you've mentioned resilience a couple of times and yes. that resilience is something I have seen. I have Bangladeshi friends and I've talked to them about it as well and they've talked about the Bangladeshi experience, particularly given the backdrop of 1971, as well as partition and that ability to like bounce back and the ability to like meet with challenges head on and do something. But tell us a bit about like, so you worked in both countries, right? And I want you, 
if you if you think of top of mind, like what are some of the things in that you would explain that resilience as that you may maybe <laughs> not see as much of, if at all, right. in a Pakistani businessman or worker or entrepreneur? Like, tell us a bit about what define that resilience using an example. That's one of my favorite topics. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll you know uh, going back all the way to uh, um, you know uh, when there was the quota. Uh, regime and you know 2000 onwards uh, you know uh, the world became the world of um, garments and apparel became quota free and before that as we were approaching the phase out of the MFA agreement uh, so there was a lot of chatter how Bangladesh would be one of the countries that would lose or was at the kind of uh, unsure list of countries that uh, people were wondering what would happen mm-hmm. uh, and Pakistan and India and coming specifically to Pakistan was supposed to gain from post MFA um, period because uh, which sorry to interrupt you here yeah. but it's interesting you mentioned that because a lot of people now talk about Pakistan is supposed to gain from people moving out of China in terms of manufacturing and I say <laughs> that that's a pipe dream but you're mentioning that example from the I, backdrop I, I'm aware of that right so that's why I tell them look it's not that easy but you know i wanted to raise that point but please carry on yeah and i'll come back to this point uh, uh, yeah. because we've been having some obviously because it's an issue today so we've been having some conversations around this and i've been hearing from other people what this of course uh, could mean from pakistan both sides pro and uh, you know um, people who are cautious about such business coming in um, so going back to uh, the the period that i'm talking about so I remember I used to go to Bangladesh and we would interact with the suppliers and the company that I was working for at that point um, was also concerned uh, about the ramifications of, of all that. So we were engaging with the suppliers, trying to put in place a kind of a, uh, you know, um, list of or things in, internally having those discussions. What if this happens? What if that happens? Contributing to the internal debate uh, about how the company should prepare because if they're obviously it was expected that there would be impact on the supply chain and how the company would source from different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so having said that, uh, you know, when we would be in a factory and all that, I remember having conversations with at least a couple of people with that kind of made me take a pause. And uh, so I, you know, I go in and I say, okay, this is what we, you know, believe or we, we apprehend would happen. And the response from the uh, the owner or the supplier was, are you crazy? This is never going to happen. We are prepared and we will deal with it. Bangladesh will in fact benefit from this. They were so sure. I remember we participated in a number of MFA forums. They were set up by some of these international development platforms where they you know, got the industry together and they did that in Cambodia. They did that in Bangladesh. They did it in Indonesia as well so but particularly coming to Bangladesh so they would invite they did a series of you know three or four if I remember correctly and they would call the BGMEAs, BKMEAs, the, the government and different brands and suppliers and then they would talk and, about that. And BGMA for those who may not be aware is the Bangladeshi Garment Manufacturer Export Association. Right right so yeah. and when uh, uh, the you know when the group Mostly, um, uh, the group from outside Bangladesh would talk about these things. The industry people would look at them with wonder and they would say, um, that, I mean, you've got your analysis wrong. 
mm. we will not and they the 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 you know the platform try to convince them that they will face this and they have to prepare and do something the industry mm. pushed back and they said no this will not happen and they had their, they said we have the scale we have the workforce we have uh, we have the pricing we have uh, you know we have the uh, you know in terms of the consistent delivery so you know so they said all on those indicators we are performing and we will take this up uh, coming uh, to pakistan and i you know uh, we i would engage with some of the suppliers that again uh, through the platform and um, to the you know office that i was working with and you would talk to some of the suppliers and they would say they were sitting back and they would mm. say we are waiting for the business to come in because now it's our turn so they were waiting we were suppliers in pakistan were waiting for the business yeah. to come in suppliers in bangladesh were out there standing there and say we have the business and we will not let it go we will build on it and if, if there was uh, a number of closures with big big factories in 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 in, in the industry in lahore um and uh, and, and um, nobody uh, when i say nobody so sorry let me correct myself a number of those major players did not prepare themselves mm. uh they did not work on their efficiency on their um, you know um qualities and you know all those aspects of business that make you efficient that you know you have to make sure that you do not bleed as an organization because i i you know uh, there was um some some of our my colleagues and all who were privy to some of those discussions that happened with within the industry uh, back in those days when they were talking about okay post 911 and pakistan was in a position where you know uh, it could ask for um uh, some extra uh, uh benefits for the industry and i'm told that uh, the industry asked for more quota uh mm. so uh, so this person who shares with me said that this, said we some of us were shocked because the quota was going to expire in a few years uh so what do you do with that because and quota doesn't really build your capacity or your technological no. yes. capabilities or your quality methods that modernize and force you to modernize and be prepared no. for the next wave of innovation in the sector yeah so two things there uh, one would uh, you know i of course cannot think for them but just trying to imagine what what was going through their mind so i would yeah i was going to ask you like what would yeah. you say like was going through their mind and why did they lean back instead of lean in and and say we're going to capture this market because the timing is right two things um uh, unfortunately i think we uh, we don't think long term uh the i i you know it's a very it was a very short term very uh, you know quick when quick uh, gain uh, thinking uh, okay let me just make some more money for the time mm. and as it is we have the uh, cotton we have the fabric mill uh, uh, the business is going to come to us pakistan mm. except for maybe just a handful of brands or retailers has never been a major sourcing country for any any retailer in the apparel sector uh, mm. uh that has improved in the recent years uh or one or you will find that it is one of the major sourcing countries but essentially it has not been why is that so you don't offer that scale nobody is going to come to an industry for 
15 factories or 20 factories or maybe 50 factories you know you have to give give it a scale and bangladesh with 4500 4000 plus 4500 suppliers mm. um, a lot of them big suppliers but then smaller ones as well who kind of latch on to the big ones and are kind of a second tier supply base for them where essentially of course a lot of issues also lie uh, but then there is a chain yeah. but there's a chain there so i, I think the the mindset uh, the other thing i do want to uh, talk about is that uh, uh, we as a, in pakistan as a society we are a very monolithic society now we do not uh, uh, appreciate uh, 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 we are we're very in, inward looking more and more with time when I go to places or industries like Bangladesh, uh, uh, you know, a lot has happened in the industry and we will get into Rana Plaza and, or, you know, the some of the tragedies yeah. that happened and all that. But if you see, there is a vibrancy over there, not just in terms of the business activity, in terms of the dialogue, in terms of the role, different um, uh, organizations have played. Uh, uh, in the industry and uh, so so you see some of those clues around you know every country every industry has its own formula uh, uh, most of the times not by design some of it by design and some of it through luck as well but luck favors only those who make an effort luck, yeah. luck will not just come to you you have to put yourself out there uh, so uh, when I earlier talked about Brack or Grameen or you know, uh, in terms of the investments in the generally the country made, which which helped it get uh, get its basics right. And I say that again and again, the basics has to be right for something to be built on it. Mm. Um, and you know, um, um, in the last few years or so, I I do definitely see in Pakistan coming to women uh, more and more women coming out to work, uh, but it is extremely difficult for them. Uh, so how do we create an enabling environment for them? What is it that's so different from actors? And yeah, and it, it's, it's sometimes it's it's one step forward and two steps back, right? Because right. at least on the women's thing, for example, like I think Lahore or Punjab had this women's biking program back a few years ago. Hmm. I think the Pink School Motorcycles, I forget the name of the program, but it was launched by Shabash Sharif. Hmm. And then when the new government came in, I think they, they canceled it or tried to cancel it. And there was an uproar and it was like, you should be growing on top of things like that because social mobility for a woman is essentially a big barrier, right? In many ways uh, to get to work. And we had Mevish Arafin, um, who runs right. Gharpar, and she talked about this as well. And she said, it's very difficult to get them out of the home. And it's very hard to convince their family member that it's going to be safe. And so it, it's things like that, right? It's basic things like that. The basic right to be able to go around in a city um, without being mm -hmm. harassed or without facing any sort of security challenges or being having your family worry about it. It's just something that is the norm in Pakistan and it shouldn't be. That, you know, if you look at the region elsewhere as well, it's not the norm. And there are mm -hmm. problems, yes, but, but um, you're absolutely right there. But I, want, I do want to interject over here i i've and and the more i've worked especially from the angle i work with the industry now <laughs> you know you see different layers that you i did not see maybe five years ago hmm. uh, so when you, you what you just shared so when you look at a city like lahore uh yes 
I, I, I agree with you most, mostly in terms of what, what you just shared. But when you step outside Lahore, when you go to uh, other areas as well, uh, in Punjab, I'm talking about where some of the mm-hmm. factories essentially are not in or around Lahore, I see a different woman. Hmm. I uh, And we, uh, through some of the work that I've been doing last year, we are engaging with some of these women, these young girls. And uh, uh, it, it was a, uh, a learning, pro- it has been a learning process for me as well. Um, when we talk to them, they want to work. They've come out hmm. and they said, we, and uh, of course they're extremely, pr- they, I'm not saying that challenges are not there, but uh, I see uh, outside cities like Lahore, uh, a better situation. Hmm. So uh, I think, uh, and and so uh, uh, you know, so there is um, there is a probably a need to uh, expand our our industry outside some of the major locations as well. The other factor that one would think of uh, uh, that could help is that um, bring the or take the industry to areas where you know you can find that pool and you can develop that pool. Of workers or, or or labor and 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 you know uh, give them the opportunity to and not just grow in in just a, a one area and all that. I, I know it has its uh, issues as well, attracting the right talent in terms of from the management side as well to be able to run such a setup. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hundred miles from Lahore, it it is an issue. I'm not saying it is not that. But then coming back to at least we've made investments on the infrastructure. Yeah. The road network is so good that commuting today uh, is, is is compared to most of the countries around Pakistan. But, but Noreen, it, it's funny you say that because the the mainstream debate in Pakistan is that the karza leke sardkein banagar mulko dubadiya. What you're <laughs> what I'm hearing from you is that that debt in many ways to build a road network, at least in places like the Punjab and Sindh, huh. is paying off because you're seeing a different kind of worker, especially a different kind of woman in, in those areas because now no, they're you, connected. You, you look at uh, uh, units like Interloop. Uh, you look at units uh, Crescent. You look at, uh, you know, um, uh, in Faisalabad and all. Uh, a lot of their workers <clears throat> on an average commute, uh, uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour one way. So they, they mm-hmm. have these transport facilities that they extend out to the areas going up to Tata, going up to Chinyot, um, you know, and all those places, many others around. And they bring those workers in, they provide them free transport, they provide them or subsidize or, you know, they give them lunch. So they give them those facilities and they're bringing in those people. And, the road and I think that's so important, right? Like that road network, because in, in many ways, I tell people like from, again, like stepping out of Lahore and Karachi, if, you, if you're part of those cities, you kind of don't really think about what road connectivity means because you grew up within that environment. Yeah. But for someone who's in a remote part of Pakistan and, you know, even 100 kilometers outside Lahore, in a village that doesn't have a, a decent road to connect you to the city, if that road comes to your city, that just changes your life. Um, you can trade. Your 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 daughters can go to school. You kind of have a safer access in terms mm-hmm. of hospitals and education and work. And a lot of people miss that, right? Because that's the urban privilege speaking. When people say, "Oh, ye highway ya road banane ki kya hai? Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you need this stuff? And I think that's a very good point that you raised. That that is transformational, um, particularly for people who are living outside big metro areas in Pakistan. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the woman or the female that you see, uh, I, and I, I am extremely encouraged by that, 
uh, uh, in terms of what I see, I, I would, of course, want to see bigger volume of that. But at least I see it now, which I did not see 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, so sometimes, you know, when people say, oh, you don't see that many, uh, uh, you know, uh, girls coming into the sector uh, or the industry. So I said, you're looking only at Lahore. Or you're, you're yeah, looking. Yeah. So actually, of course, it's, it's well, far well, ahead in, in, for a long time compared to Punjab. Uh, yeah. But within Punjab, other cities like Faisalabad and all have gone ahead of Lahore. You got to step outside your Lahore bubble, right? To yeah. look at what's going on in the rest of the country. And even in Lahore, when I go to some of these suppliers and I, the uh, um, the departments that I find women working in are, 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 the, are the, the job that they are doing. Most of them are the lowest skilled jobs. They would be thread cutters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they are in some of the better paying um, uh, positions, uh, the ratio is far too small even now. Um, hmm. But when you go to Faisalabad and all, uh, and I, I'm not talking about Karachi because Karachi traditionally has had better female-male ratio. Um, but if you now go to cities like Faisalabad, you see a lot more women out on the floor hmm. uh, uh, doing a That's job great. that pays them relatively you know, higher than where they were. So... Um, so things are changing. Uh, I'm not yeah. saying that they're not, but uh, I just think that the pace needs to be. Yeah. Because uh, you you've got to compete globally, and others are far ahead of you. So you've got to speed it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like if you're if you're going at 10 kilometers an hour, and and someone else is going at 15, you may start going at 12, which is good. But you're still three kilometers an hour slower, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's important perspective. Before I, I I know you talked about this as an improvement thing, and that's that's really good to hear. And I want to ask you more about what else do you think is improving in Pakistan. But I want to go back to something you talked about thinking long term and having like a a more essentially a, a, a more strategic vision about where you are and where you want to be. Um, and this is something I've heard consistently over the last five or six episodes of this podcast. And you're the sixth guest who's saying essentially the same thing. And if I'm hearing it correctly, I want to get your view on this before I talk about other things that you think have improved in terms of why is this the case in Pakistan? Like, why do you think, it, let's use the textile industry as an example, why do we not think long term and have a strategic vision? Like, what's your take on that? My my take on that is, unfortunately, I think as a nation, as a society, uh, uh, two three things. Um, we uh, we don't uh, or not only not think long term. We don't think collective as well. Uh, mm. We don't allow, uh, we don't tolerate. I think as a society, we've become extremely intolerant. Uh, not just, I would say, religiously, which is, of course, the biggest uh, indicator out there. Or some, I would call it more of just, not, it's, it's more than that. Um, so uh, you have to debate, you have to discuss, you have to take uh, each other's uh, uh, opinion or uh, take on things into consideration. And all, I, I know a lot of times consensus is, is um, 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 it's not necessary to reach a consensus, but the, uh, the, the space to be able to talk about some of these things is, is, is essential as well. And coming to not uh, having the ability to think uh, long term, I, I think maybe uh, I'll just kind of uh, personalize it in a way. Um, we, sure. We think a lot about, okay, 
ये या ये कर लेंगे कुछ ना कुछ कर लेंगे तो रोजी तो ऊपर वाले ने लिखी हुई है एंड एंड आई एम सॉरी बट नंबर ऑफ टाइम्स व्हेन यू यू आर थिंकिंग समबडी बिकॉज़ एवरीबॉडी वांट्स टेंड्स टू वांट्स यू नो यू लाइक पिक्चर्स एंड यू नो बट देन यू हैव टू यू नो नॉट ओनली जस्ट थिंक बट यू आल्सो हैव टू व्हाट शुड आई से बिकॉज़ to think long term you actually then have to think about how do you get there how what you have to think more strategically you have to make more effort you have to put more thoughts to it um I, if i if i i run my own consultancy so if i want to grow myself i cannot just think initially maybe i would think okay let's just start it off and all but after a while if i want to grow i have to put in a plan so for that yeah. i have to do some work i have to engage i have to think so i i just i just unfortunately what i see is that again a bit of laziness and and a bit of uh, to be really candid uh, in my view that's my view uh, that uh, that uh, uh, and that the 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 thinking uh, the approach the mindset is that ke kar lenge ho jayega ya ab itna to kar lo fir dekhenge and and i i think the other thing is that uh, uh, which i again emphasize i i think probably i cannot emphasize it more is that um, inward looking very inward thinking um uh, not uh, just so you know sometimes uh, if you and i are talking i may have a certain opinion you may just nudge me in a certain direction if i am uh, a person who you know kind of resents that then i will kind of personalize it and all the other thing yeah. i have seen is that um everything becomes a conspiracy theory or something okay <laughs> uh, uh, for example in the work that i do if i engage with with an organization and i say that okay you know these are the things that the issues are there and these are some of the remediations that you need to put in place and everything there's so much of convincing that you have to do uh, compared to if i if i am dealing with a bangladeshi supplier if they have uh, reservations and all they will question you they will ask you they will you know they will push you but uh, they they get it they they, yeah. they know that they uh, it comes when it comes to a point beyond which they will not push you so they they will argue with you i'm not they will not just accept just lying down and say you know doing whatever you're telling them to do which is neither should they they should push yes. you to get justification right to yes. to, to make but, you you, you got to make your case Yes, uh, but they are willing to be convinced. Yeah. Pakistan supplier, <laughs> they <laughs> essentially think that, and we can will get into some of those general example, you know, specific examples and all that. But it it is much harder to so unless I have a real stake, I would not. Uh, if I can get the same result in in you know in less amount of time somewhere else, why would I come? Pakistan. Yeah, and I think that the point you raised about inward looking and the lack of tolerance is is so on point because it's one of those things like you know let we just talked about roads and road access. Let's assume I disagreed with you when you said that the I shouldn't turn around and say you are a PML noon supporter. Therefore, you're saying that and you got lefafe, but that's become the norm in Pakistan, right? Like either you are a patwari or a jiala or a yuthia or whatever sloganeering and rhetoric. It's like, like lack of a we like to you label know, people we we yeah we, we like to label people label on person and then agar aap kisi se baat kare na on the right to say oh aap to ngo ban gaye 
बिल्कुल एंड इट्स लाइक वी हैड कुलसुम ऑन 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 लास्ट वीक एंड वी वर टॉकिंग अबाउट दिस एज वेल वेयर शी वाज लाइक यू नो वी आई वेयर लाइक दैट बैज इट इज एज अ बैज ऑफ ऑनर बिकॉज़ एंड आई वाज लाइक आई एग्री विद यू बिकॉज़ एट सम पॉइंट व्हेन यू आर मेकिंग अ केस एंड द अदर पर्सन स्टार्ट्स लेबलिंग यू और स्टार्ट्स यू नो यूजिंग stereotypes to like show you that you're put mm. you down that means i want the argument at that point because you've run out of like you know critical views and perspectives to make a point so therefore i know i'm right and you're you're not willing to engage in a debate and i think that's so important especially on economic issues because the only way you progress is through debate right like mm-hmm. if i am not if you're yeah. making a shirt and if i tell you well you could stitch this in a certain way and you say no oh. you're whatever mm. and it, it, but if if i do that and i don't ask why and i start asking the techniques questioning the techniques the technology i will not improve right mm. that's mm. essentially what it is and if you don't improve someone else will and lo and behold all of a sudden they achieve the better quality and the better scale mm. and they're growing at 150% and you're growing at 40% over mm. a decade right that's mm. essentially what it is mm-hmm. um so you know th- th- that's a very important point and i wanted to draw that out of you because i think like a lot of times uh we we miss that 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 intolerance that's grown in in debate and and conversation um but now let's switch back to like things that are improving you mentioned the uh women outside lahore being uh you know more uh, capable or more driven to work and get into the workforce what other things do you see in the sector right now in pakistan um in the textile sector or uh, just generally um that you like give you a glimmer of hope and say you know what like that if that continues to happen maybe we're headed in the right direction right i you know of course uh, and you've seen uh, the last few years um you know the industry has is been growing i yes of course probably not at the same level but i think what that is leading to is um and because of the stability that uh, uh, you know in terms of law and order and security that mm-hmm. has come in in the recent years um has contributed to uh, you know travel advisories being lifted and more people coming in to visit because see if you uh, are the product that you place uh, if you're not able to go and see it uh, uh, you know that's a huge setback or a limitation uh, for uh, uh, for any supplier uh in terms of the, if they also are putting uh, you know whatever the rest that they can put in to make the business grow so i think yeah. uh, the stability and the security situation that has improved uh, of course based on what some of the steps that the government has taken uh helps you know in terms of uh, people's confidence uh getting back in so i hope that continues because that is extremely important and that is something that generally speaking um, any employer or industry for that matter has not much control over because you know yeah. there are other actors who are responsible for that that because of that and you see that you know some of the companies are investing in their own offices as well uh, or hiring their own people uh, locally to uh, to look after their production so that is that is a very good indicator as well because uh, you know instead of relying through agents or third parties uh, that's not how it's always a mix um, you know mm-hmm. there's some business that comes to the agent um, there's a lot of business that comes directly and that is where big chunk of that business is bangladesh does a combination of of both um, so i think the opening of the offices or expansion of uh, you know boots on the ground for a number of the companies that uh, are um investing in pakistan in terms of growing their business is is 
you know it it has become a lot better in the recent years um we want people to travel uh, be able to the other thing is to be able to move around not just you know uh, do their work but then be able to move around without being mm. threatened and all that so that i think yeah. so um uh, uh, plays a role uh, i see uh, some of these big suppliers uh, you know investing in their expansion uh so that is i think really very it's a very positive sign um and uh, so obviously based on the strategic relationships they have with the brands or the buyers that they work with so so they uh, so it's it's a catch 22 what comes before what comes you know so they have i think um, a number of these big suppliers have in the times that were troubled uh, they kind of continue to invest in terms of having their offices outside pakistan meetings uh some of the or attending some of these meetings in locations um primarily a lot of them started traveling to bangladesh unfortunately because of the political mm. tension that travel is severely restricted now um but i know that uh, you know so so they they've been pretty creative in trying to find alternatives uh, in terms of their ability to function as efficiently as possible uh so um i think on that angle they also have kind of uh, uh, you know the big ones have uh, realized that you know uh, what in terms of what is it that they can do on their own to make sure that at least you know whatever trouble times you have to survive you survive and then when the right time comes then you can build on it so i think uh, so like any other industry so some suppliers died you know some had to close down uh, some expanded then the new ones came in i see faisalabad industry or faisalabad as a location for the industry has expanded uh mm. to see uh, and i believe it a lot of it has to do with the gsp plus status that pakistan got so you see a lot more of the european buyers coming in uh so then you have medium sized setups that are flourishing which is you need to have a mix uh so which is good um so while you have big scale uh, you can debate about the number there but then uh, you know those are there but then you have the medium sized this one 500 600 worker factory or you know about 6 700 machines so that also have helped uh so uh, and then of course um you know because of the type of business that they that they do uh europe of course does different business than the us uh so there is a a bit of not to the extent that probably one would want but at least there's some more depth coming in into mm-hmm. the type of the product mm-hmm. that you're doing uh the business people will know more about that <laughs> so uh, but whatever i see based on whenever i go um and you know visit a supplier yeah uh, that i see on the floor or i get a sense so that's what i see um the other thing uh uh i i i i see the, I, in, in terms of of course related now to my work the work the type of work that i do um i see uh not to the extent that i would hope but i see more openness uh to understanding what the issues are, are because the debate at the global level has become a lot more wide it is not just about child labor or forced labor or you know issues like you know, payments and things like that it is far bigger it is about generally sustainability it's about water mm. it's about chemical management it's about you know your impact as a business um on the environment that you're operating in so people have uh, started to understand this they're still you know in the process of you know of, obviously it's a 
transition it's an evolution uh, so uh, but i see that and that also is coming in because of the push or the interest of the retailers and the brands and i know we talk we uh, we we're going to talk about that as well in specific the role then these uh, brands and retailers play uh, in terms of bringing the industry or pushing the industry to the next level uh, so because of uh, of course it's all linked to that growth and the interest so the brands and the retailers are also willing to look into these issues in pakistan as well and so i see in the last couple of years especially a number of the, those brands having sustainability related workshops or summits for their suppliers um, people from outside technical subject matter experts coming in talking to the suppliers so having kind of a space where they are pakistan is still at least a decade behind on wow. on how uh, if i may say so uh, on uh, uh, the 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 sophistication of the discussion that uh, for example you now see happening in bangladesh um or india it was happening even before that but then you know india is a different animal altogether when it comes so to, so yeah. you know for the listener who's not really well versed in the issues of this uh, ready-made garment supply chain, particularly on the sustainability side, um, help us understand, like, what does the sustainability agenda look like? What are Pakistani units and suppliers being asked to do? And, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think uh, they should be doing more of uh, to right. further the sustainability agenda um, uh, for, in the country? Right. So, um, you know, um, the basics, excuse me, of the sustainability agenda essentially is that, uh, you know, you... Uh, the business is supposed to look after its workforce. Um, uh, the workplace has to be secure. It has to be, you know, you have to pay your workers and, and all of that. So building on that, uh, like you said, uh, some of the most recent um, issues that the industry has been focusing on, on is uh, building and fire safety, for instance. Um, you know, Which became a big thing after Rana, Rana Plaza, Plaza tragedy. And, and yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, so... Uh, now seven years, uh, you know, since that tragic, horrific accident happened. Um, and then, you know, uh, based on um, uh, fast forward, all the learnings uh, that have been have come out of uh, uh, the different approaches and uh, programs that uh, were put in place and executed and all that. So um, there's been um, a lot of learnings that have been transferred to other countries, including Pakistan. And in mm. Pakistan, especially related to fire safety, um, there is a strong need uh, uh, to improve or to, or, or to, to do better than, uh, you know, where we have been. We, we had the Ali Enterprises fire before Rana Plaza in 2012. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, nothing happened after that. When I say not, there was, the, you know, Rana Plaza, of course, because of the scale of it, um and uh, i think of course because of the exposure uh and the risk that all the retailers or the brands had um uh, for their business in the country so there was a big rush there was a, a huge attention everybody kind of got together and uh, you know um uh, put different platforms together the government itself worked uh, you know closely with organizations like the ILO and the uh, UN um, uh, global compact and you know, some platforms together where they engaged as a as an industry and addressed you know uh, different segments of the supply base that each one catered to. Uh, in Pakistan, uh, we had the early enterprises, but uh, uh, apart from 
uh, and that also happened quite a few years later. Um, um, nothing happened. Uh, and there was, uh, you know, when an accident or a tragedy happens, a lot of times, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call, and people get up and people say, oh, you know, oh, we didn't realize that, uh, you know, uh, these issues were there, although they were like staring right in your face, but still something happens, yeah. people don't wake up. So that didn't end up as a wake-up call for the industry. Um, Which, like, just for the per- people who are unfamiliar with the early enterprise issue, I believe like about 250 or so workers died, died. in that tragic fire in 2012. Yes. Um, and it took them about, what, seven years or so to receive their pensions and receive what was due to the families of the mm. people who died. Um, yes. And again, it's tragic. Like, I, I agree with you that the pressure can come internationally and the brands and the retailers and ILO and other sort of nudged and pushed Bangladesh to do better after Rana Plaza. But even in the Bangladeshi or the Pakistani case, like these are Pakistani or Bangladeshi citizens, right? These yeah. are who, who one would say are our brothers and sisters and, and nationals of the country that one must and should look after. So the fact that uh, not much has been done, um, what, eight years on from yeah. Ali Enterprises and a lot needs still uh, is still needs to happen and it's not even on the agenda. Um, it's quite disappointing to hear, um, especially when one looks at Bangladesh and it's Rana Plaza, what happened post Rana Plaza, like there are still gaps from what I'm aware and you know this better than I do, but a lot of progress, uh, however, has been made uh, during that period. Right. And just to kind of um, add to what you've just uh, shared, um, with Ali Enterprises, yes, it took a number of years, uh, and but then, you know, uh, it was the civil society basically group uh, that got together and pushed, yes. and and they they made a lot of effort to take this issue, and they they uh, they tracked and they went back and they engaged with the brands who were working with that supplier. Uh, they had to go to the court. They had to go into litigation um, in Germany. Uh, to to get the company to commit. Uh, wow, I did not know that they had to go to Germany. Yeah, that's wow. That's how they how that's how they got the compensation. Um, hmm. uh, but then you know uh, the whole bureaucracy around once that compensation was awarded, uh, for it to reach uh, the families, uh, that process is still not complete. Uh, the yeah. it, the court case in Pakistan is still pending. There's no decision. Which is a shame. Like, it's, it's just a shame. It's a, it's a political, uh, there was a political, um, you, you know, um, uh, uh, reason or agenda behind that as well, uh, you know. But having said that, uh, the issue itself uh, at the building was that it was unsafe and it had lack of exits and, you know, and all those things. Uh, that essentially were, uh, uh, were were that led to so many deaths because uh, the building was unsafe and uh, so uh, another thing I want to talk about is that for example in Pakistan uh, there was a law that was passed it was a fire safety uh, code a building code 2016 that was passed mm-hmm. it is a it is such a comprehensive document it covers everything uh, but it was passed by the federal government. Now in Pakistan, uh, post the 18th Amendment, now provinces yes. so, but it, it's there at the federal level. The provinces have not adopted it. So when you go to a supplier and you say, "Here is the law," some of them will implement it uh, or agree to implement it, uh, but some of them will push back and they said, "Show me the notification where it says it's applicable to me." Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but then over there, uh, there, then the role of 
the brand has been really remarkable. Some of them have really pushed their suppliers to. Um, That's great. Yeah, and, as and they th- should. As they should, as they should, and and they have, and they and and they have, and they continue to play that role with the supply base that they work because that's where their influence is. So again, there are in there is work, there is good work that is happening, and the whole thing is that at some point it it all starts to come together and it starts to scale up. But then, uh, you know, there is a so so the thing is now, uh, there is a kind of a interest and a and a bit of a movement in wanting to bring the programs like the Accord to Pakistan. Um, so the uh, 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 but and the accord was the program that was put together in Bangladesh to improve safety at factories after the Rana Plaza disaster. Right, and Alliance yeah. for Bangladesh Worker Safety was another platform by the yeah. you know the brands and all. And uh, so, um, but uh, you know, for programs like these, um, and again, um, no one program or initiative or player can do everything. But there, there is a way to approach this. I mean, people uh, have questions or concerns around how the accord has operated, and there's been a lot of uh, pushback uh, by the industry in Bangladesh um, uh, on both the programs, but more so on the accord side, um, and especially from the trade association and the government. Uh, but if you look at the essence of such programs, uh, the the technicalities of all of all that, unfortunately, uh, the politics of it kind of uh, overshadow the actual work that gets done. Um, uh, that is unfortunate. But if you look at the basics of it, these are some things, like I mentioned, just the fire safety um, code, a building code that got passed in Pakistan. So we have the basics. But why are we not implementing it? Where is the government? Well, that's that? the beauty of the thing, right? Like Pakistan has some really good laws on the books, some really terrible laws. And it's ironic that the terrible laws such as the PECA, the Pakistan Electronic Crimes Act, or the rules that were recently pushed out, which are now being reconsidered on social media companies, those are enforced. But it is the really important laws such as fire safety, which can potentially, not following them, can potentially lead to hundreds of deaths and hundreds of uh, families that are, you know, going through a tragic experience, but that's not implemented. Right. And, And all of this is part of doing business. You have to yes. make sure that it's not only the product that is of a certain uh, price, quality, or standard, uh, but where it is made. It's a given now. It is. Yeah, a- and again, I go, I, I go back to your long-term thinking point, right? And thinking as a collective, because you can have an amazing textile manufacturing sector in Pakistan that's not following fire safety standards or labor standards, let's say, and it grows from what it is today to let's say double, triple that size, hmm. but and it takes years and years of hard work, let's say it takes five years or 10 years to get there. It will take one fire, one hmm. accident that kills hundreds of people for that industry to come crashing down and all the hard work go down the drain. Why? Because you did not look long-term and did not think long-term hmm. to make an effort to sustain that growth and build it on solid foundations where the worker and his safety is at the center or her right. safety is at the center. And, and and to add to that, uh, you know, we, of course, we're going back and forth, drawing comparisons between Pakistan and Bangladesh. If you look at the industry in Bangladesh, when Rana Plaza happened, and, you know, obviously all the companies and agencies and brands came rushing in, and the industry had to give a respond, and industry had to agree, because industry itself was not ready. So, you know, uh, so whatever, if I make a major, uh, there's a major disaster in my house, and you come in 
and you say you know because i'm in a panic mode so i will i will in order to make sure that i have your business i will do whatever you tell me to do yeah so so they they did all of that but then they got to a place where they said okay we have done you know we have come to a certain level where we think we can take this on ourselves and then that resistance and that dialogue and that started that okay uh, you've had your five years to these both initiatives uh, alliance and accord and uh, so now let us do the job and here is what yeah. we put forward and you know there are of course um, apprehensions around the you know the capability of the platform that they that the association and the government is proposing in bangladesh but you know uh, there are you know uh, uh, there is a way to go forward in terms of you know the plans that they're sharing that this is what they're doing to make sure that their their systems are enhanced and all those things yeah so, and then they come to a point where a few months ago the association or the industry hosted its first sustainability summit so nice. so exactly so three days they invite everybody they call everybody they set the agenda and they take they start taking over the narrative so when i talk about resilience when i talk about taking I'm about to just say that that's i think making me think about your point about resilience see i mean we or we say why do some people succeed in life what are the ingredients um do you have to have a certain degree a certain base a certain technical know how each person has it but what is the common thing across the board and you can take it to all level to one person a personal level to a supplier to an industry it's your resilience it's, it's yeah. what and, you and, do when and societies and companies and sectors are built out of yes. people right so if people and have that evolve. and everyone today, knows it yeah today uh, you know when i started uh, you know my career i was of course where i was and then uh, you know all of us and i can say that for almost everybody you and then you evolve and who life is a marathon and and so is the the world that we live in uh, and professionally speaking so and each industry and all that has its ups and downs so while of course while i say for example bangladesh got its basics right um you know they put the social investments in they developed their human uh, capability and invested on that side and all that let's say for example if they for some reason they stop doing that or uh, it gets compromised they will start mm-hmm. going down so you have to continue yeah. to uh, you know the the there was this attack in bangladesh two years ago the artisan factory uh, uh, yeah. the bakery and, yeah. yeah and uh, uh, how did the government respond they i mean people were okay this is it this is it now it it starts here um the you know this is where they start targeting now next something else will happen then this and that and I, thank god yeah there was a lot of fear and a lot yes. of like thinking even in the international press that maybe right. bangladesh will go down a spiral now yes but the government took it just what we say na you you make an example out of the people who were behind that horrific incident and you put you you know you make it very clear that if you do this no we will not spare you you look at i, I mean again the non state act i mean i 
what is, like you said when you think long term uh, as a as an as a country as a government you know you there is a group uh, that is in a government that is responsible that is through whatever corrupt political processes and all that but it is there right so they are in that space where it is through their whatever uh, efforts and thinking and all that something if done right uh, play a role I have a have a spiraling effect into the rest of the you know sectors or you know elements of the society or business of so many things and and, yeah. and if so when you look at a country like Bangladesh 71 onwards i mean we know the history uh but well i i would push back and say many pakistanis don't know the history but yes some know, of us don't want to know yes. the history uh i i you i had the same version of history when i started going in and i was corrected and i hated it but then i realized and I, then i read up on it and then and then i just went quiet <laughs> and so uh and um it I, I, i mean who are we trying to fool same thing you see what is so all these non state actors and all the roles that they play and everything people know i mean again it's a matter of Uh, again same thing that putting your head in the sand and thinking that okay maybe other people don't notice it but when it comes to business when it comes to you know it 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 has its effect at every aspect of the country of you know of the society and all of that yeah no and i think like your point about 71 is so important because i remember vividly to this day it was 2007 my first semester in undergrad and i made friends with two Uh, of my friends who are still my friends they're bangladeshi uh, live in dhaka now and we were just talking one day and i was asking them about like you know their lives etc and and obviously with south asians a lot of conversations go to politics at some point in, in time as are as ours after an hour and right. 10 or 15 oh. minutes of conversation oh, wow. okay right? so you know it, 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 it's 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 one of those things we start talking about and they were like at that point in time i'd already started reading up on history and started to figure out like you mm-hmm. know what had actually happened and, mm-hmm. and yeah the young age and i leaned into them and i said well you know like you know i my view is that what happened was a terrible tragedy and what pakistan west pakistan at that time did should be something that should be taught to all pakistanis that there were war crimes and pakistani should apologize and the pakistani government should reach out to bangladesh and apologize and yes. you know make amends and and yes. we can be better we can have better diplomatic relations but the first step must come from pakistan to show that yes what happened in 71 was a terrible tragedy we apologize for it mm-hmm. and whatever amends you want us to make we mm-hmm. will make and then some more because yes. that's how you get beyond it right but in pakistan yes. most of us are not taught that mm-hmm. history so we continue to what one of my friends called like view the world with green tinted glasses all the time 
yeah, I I know I hear you, and again, it's like you know we're talking to each other, preaching to the choir. But it, yes, what, yeah. hopefully some others are listening. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I know it's been a while. We were supposed to chat for about an hour. It's already hour yeah. twenty minutes or so. Okay. I I want to. I have two more questions for you, and and then I can let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, yeah, two more. So let's say I asked this. I've been asking my guests about this. So if you were advising the prime minister or the commerce minister or someone in charge in Pakistan on uh how can pakistan's textile sector which is the majority the vast bulk of the export mix in the country and upon which like the pakistan's economy survives not thrives right now but survives for the time being um what are two or three things you would tell them that they need to do to like make sure that this sector doesn't grow at 40% for the next decade but actually grows at 100 200% mm-hmm. right i <laughs> Two, two, three things I, uh, I, you know, kind of come to my mind when I think about this. And again, taking a leaf out of Bangladesh's experience uh, is the human development. They allow other actors to come in. Uh, the, the whole, uh, you know, space uh, around, uh, you know, the civil society has been so much severely restricted in the last few years. Uh, we had so many, uh, you know, um, NGOs. We had so many, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, private sector players who were or from the development perspective working on a lot of these issues so that space has become fa- very constricted freedom of speech freedom of uh, movement um, the ability because all this over a period of time plays its role in terms of how your society thinks how your people think how inward or outward looking that you get so uh, uh, you know from a uh, 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 from that perspective uh, uh, of course, uh, policies, etc., uh, are are uh, part of uh, a big role of the government. Uh, so, so do that. But then, at the same time, uh, uh, open up the space for other players to come in. Uh, there's a lot of talent in the company. There's so uh, in the sorry, not I'm so used to saying company <laughs> uh, in the country. Uh, we have uh, so many different um, uh, you know organizations that are. But I, I've seen that in Pakistan, the scale a lot of times does not, uh, um, uh, it does not scale up to a level where you go uh, somewhere at the national level. Yeah, so we keep tinkering at the margins. We, uh, yes. So uh, for, for, for and, and, and that uh, in essence is, you know, feeds into a lot of other, uh, if things were to happen positively, so that feeds into that, it plays its role. And uh, I think, uh, uh, and I cannot emphasize enough that be more inclusive. Um, and we talk about, of course, females a lot. Uh, but then, generally speaking, um, are uh, you know um, making sure that we are providing an enabling environment for people mm-hmm. to to be. Uh, <laughs> you know, when th- that's when I say that freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of movement, uh, because that's when creativity. Flows out. That's when people, Absolutely. when people are not afraid to talk, uh, uh, people uh, then you know ideas come out and 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 new things come out and uh, you know there is a there is a there is a whole process around it and you cannot um, and I cannot overemphasize on that fact. Uh, so I think that is essentially one of the things I would say. Uh, then. Uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, economic stability has to be a big role uh, in terms of for any you know, country, of course. So 
the kind of policies that they are putting in place uh, rupee of course has devalued and i listened to your earlier podcast with atif mia so there was a lot of suggestions that had come from his side as well so um you know opening up the dialogue bringing in people that actually are subject matter expert and you know allowing them uh, to play a role uh, again uh, there's so much talent there's so much uh, you know it's not that you don't have uh, people who can think people who can actually do stuff but uh, uh, people are not coming out uh, and being able to contribute uh because that space is not there uh they they're working either in silos or in smaller groups so uh, and when some of these other things happen then you know the rest will follow as well and um um yeah no those are those are really really good points and i you know i think i agree 100% on both of them especially the fact that you know you have to have an inclusive environment especially in today's globalized world where the most mobile asset in any country is its talent and in countries where there is uh dissent is being quashed creativity is not allowed people are not allowed to be you know live their lives as they choose in many ways um highly talented people will leave and pakistan has seen that brain drain over the decades right so many amazing people talented people um have left the country and you know don't want to go back um and if that environment changes then they come back and then your point about subject matter expertise is is also valid and i i mean i hope that that changes because you know like think about it pakistan we all know mm-hmm. is one of the countries to on the front lines of climate change and its risks oh, yeah. and just look at our state minister for climate change right now she's not a subject matter expert no no personal grudge against her right. she may have been must be an amazing woman i don't know her personally but at the end of the day it, that's a position where you want someone who is an expert on climate change and actually understands that complicated topic um but it is that's what it is my final question to you um you have done an amazing uh job and 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 have been working in so many countries bangladesh and pakistan especially and are an expert and as a woman have been highly successful you have run your own consulting firm and that's i think you're a role model to a lot of young women out there especially in pakistan and i want you to share like a couple of tips for you know young women listening who want to grow up to be you know independent and do great stuff in the business world like what are a couple of tips that you would give them that they need to listen to and uh, do things that at a young age that set them up for success much like yourself mm-hmm. so oh, thank you thank you for those kind words uh uh but um if i look back at my journey in the last 20 years i i think and i what i am today when i started out i i'm nowhere near that person i used to be uh so uh i think in my <laughs> case uh what some of the things have worked that um i uh, i've been lucky as well but uh, now i i realizing the importance of it i try and make sure that i have that around me um uh, you know people uh, uh, that believe in me people that support me um that gives me a lot of confidence uh, you know i have been heavily influenced by women mostly women in my life uh, mm. uh, women have played a brave my mother my sisters and uh, you know my close friends and some few colleagues uh, so uh, you as a woman uh, i i think um uh, you know i've looked for mentors i have looked for people uh, who i have uh, i admire and then i've looked at what they have done 
um i i remember uh, when i was starting out my company um, almost like 10 years now um i used to go on linkedin and i used to just search mm. for people and then i would look what they had done and i would i made a lot of mistakes uh but one thing i realized that i stopped being afraid of making mistakes uh so i mm. would say take risk uh believe in yourself uh some of these things you know they like seem like big words but actually do believe in yourself and it's okay to make a mistake i see men at times you know they would take a uh, an assignment or a project if if they felt they could do it you know just half pay even uh i for example would not take it till i believe i could do it 110% yeah. uh so obviously you have to put in work for that but sometimes i i tell myself it's okay to take a risk as well and figure it out as you go along you don't know everything from day one so take out that uh, you know element of fear from you the other thing is uh, i think a lot of my learning came from travel so i would say if you can travel travel the world mm-hmm. and uh, you you learn a lot uh by being with different people by talking to different people and do not be afraid to speak up uh yeah that's what i would say no that's great advice and i think like travel is so important and i you know a lot of pakistanis given the economic situation the country can't afford to do that i, I would add on a word of advice on that great advice is that for those who can't do it you have a smartphone you have the internet mm-hmm. you can go on youtube and watch videos travel documentaries travel shows whatever it mm-hmm. is foreign films to learn about different cultures because that offers you a window as well like if you can't get out of pakistan for whatever yes, reason internet is the, the world is at your fingertips oh, tips, yes. right so mm-hmm. so i i would add that for others as well and i think yes the risk part again is so important i know you talked about luck and you making an effort and when you said that uh it just came back to my mind the fact that you know even if you're lucky enough for food to fall down from the skies for you you first have to make an effort to get out from the couch and walk yes. outside and right exactly. and only yeah. then will the food fall down yeah. so even that on that yeah. basic level you have to make an effort norin thank you so much for your time thank you so much for the wonderful conversation for your advice for your insights into pakistan and its textile sector as well as bangladesh and its textile sector and for informing us about how bangladesh has come so far in such a short period of time um and and i hope we can have you on again on the show to talk more about what's going on in pakistan and and the rest of the region thank you so much thank you so much uday for having me uh, i really appreciate the opportunity thank you for tuning in for this episode of pakistanomy hope you enjoyed the discussion if you like this podcast please do subscribe to it using your favorite podcast app and do share it with your friends and family as well as on your social media hope you tune in next time